We do welcome all of you here today, those that are watching online from around New York City, around the country, and around the world. I want God just to begin to speak to us, even over these next few moments. I was, as many of you, I was locked in and, and watching the intensifying crisis in Ukraine, and it seems that every day it's getting more intense. And in fact, at one part this week, my heart was getting so heavy for the human suffering and really the humanitarian crisis that they are saying is, about, is, is not about to happen, is happening right now. There is now over one million refugees that, that in one week have been displaced. In one week. And they said half of those refugees are a half a million children. A half a million children. And they focused in on... And folks, this is where this heaviness came in and where I think my heart just literally, I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And they focused it on one of the storylines of the children of, the U, of Ukraine um, that have cancer and, and were unable to get their medication. And, and watching that, I just, I remember I just had to turn it off at one point and I literally had to put on worship music just to get, just to reset my heart in, in what I was watching. The world sits on the brink, folks. I don't think this is exaggeration. The world sits, at, 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 and each day it goes on, sits on the brink of possibly a World War III. And a humanitarian nightmare is a madman is now threatening the world with nuclear fallout. The rumor is he's ordered explosives to be planted by six nuclear reactors in Ukraine that can be used as collateral to get what the Russian dictator wants. The world has waited even on Thursday night as we heard about a fire at the nuclear reactor plant caused by the bombings that they said can have 10 times as worse of a fallout than even Chernobyl had. Now NATO has evidence of a number of war crimes against the Ukraine people, one being cluster bombs. These are outlawed weapons that are bombs that can have bombs inside the bombs. Ten, they said 10 to hundreds of bombs could be placed in one. In fact, one of our staff members said that they did hit with cluster bombs and it was their community where his grandmother is at. And every day I seem to be overwhelmed. And because, and this is the part that God had to really rescue my heart from, because some of us are glued to the news each day on our phones, our laptops, our computers, we think we know all that is happening. And we don't. I, because we don't know the activity of God that is happening right now in Ukraine and Russia. We don't realize it. This verse, I want you to write this verse down because this is where God began to speak to me. And in the book of Job, this question is asked. It says, why do you complain against him that he does not give account to you of all of his doings? Look at that verse for just a moment. He says, why are you complaining? And I felt like God was speaking this to me. He says, why are you complaining? Just because God hasn't given you account of all that he's doing, listen, doesn't mean that he's not doing things. In fact, listen to the next verse of what he even tells you, some of the things that he is doing. Listen to this. It says, for God is speaking again and again. In dreams and in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they lie on their bed, it says he opens their ears in times like that and gives them instruction and wisdom, causing them to change their minds 
and keeping them from pride and warning them of the penalties of sin and keeping them from falling into some trap. And he says, and sometimes God will even send sickness and pain. So the issue is this. We pray and just because we don't see God intervening doesn't mean that God is not intervening and doing some things around the world. That it doesn't mean that because you don't have the, 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 the upfront report that we don't see God moving. Bettina and Pastor Pavel are, are connected to this church. Pastor Pavel, Bettina, the first missions director. Pastor Pavel, who is um, pastoring our summit campus, sent me stories from ministry partners that you support, your generosity. Listen to what God is doing. Even though we don't hear this, this is what God is doing. One of the refugee centers that you support said this, the cook sent this in, said our cook shared how she felt like God was multiplying the food as a hundred plus refugees showed up at their camp. All she had was five kilograms of macaroni and somehow God multiplied it to feed everyone in that refugee center. That's God doing that. Don't complain against them, God is doing something. Another story, in 2021, a fully functional two-story hotel went out of business a year ago. The owner approached the local pastor, urging them to buy it, and after a couple of months of hesitation, not having enough money, they were able to purchase the building December 2021. The building was purchased. Two months later, a war broke out. The local church sprang into action, and in the very building is become a refugee center for that church, and they are housing 60 people with children, and you are supporting that, sending mattresses, and you are sending food to that place. One pastor named Igor sent this in. He said, please tell your people that because of their prayers, God is fighting our battles. Listen to this. This, The rockets are disappearing in the air without reaching our homes, and no one knows how it's happening. I know how it's happening. The enemy tanks, this is what he writes, the enemy tanks are running out of fuel and the Russian tanks have been getting lost, having to ask the locals for directions and for food. God is doing things that we don't even know about. This word sent from a Ukrainian soldier. We feel your prayer support. Sometimes something really inexplicable happens as if someone, someone's invisible hand takes bullets and shells away from us as they fly past us. We emerge victorious in very difficult situations as if somebody is accompanying us into battle. We have become, listen to this, we have become invisible to the enemy. We ourselves, see, we ourselves without the proper equipment, see in complete darkness And we know what we're supposed to do and how to do it. It inspires us and gives us strength. We believe that the Lord Jesus himself is with us. We ask you to not to stop supporting us and continue to pray for us. We really need the church of Jesus Christ praying for us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is answering our prayer even with no knowledge of it. He doesn't need your approval or my approval. He doesn't need your signature on the bottom. God does whatever he wants to do because he's God. And it's important to remember these miracles because this is where God was speaking to me, that we will give resources to help. You have given resources to help the people of Ukraine. We pray and we've been believing for God to intervene. 
And then all of a sudden, when I see the news, my heart starts to complain to God, where are you? And because the news tells me what a madman is doing, but not what God is doing, and because the news is changing so fast, it's hard for me, it's been hard for me to keep a song in my heart when the landscape has been changing so fast. That I've been watching, and this is where God challenged me. My singing and my complaining have been working, to, have been too close together. My singing and my complaining. And, and, and I, when I see all of these things happen, my, I, I, my heart got a little bit of a leap in it as, as a pastor friend from Dallas. He said, Pastor Tim, he said, we've been following Times Square Church, and he said, I, I, we, we are praying with you, we're with you. He said, if I can tell you, I, I, we're on the same page. He said, I want to tell you what my eschatology is. That means my end times theology is. And, and we both subscribe to the same thing. This is what he sent to me. He said, the bad is going to get worse and the good is going to get better and Jesus is going to come back soon. <laughs> that really is it. Folks, that's it. In the bad is getting worse, but the good is getting better and Jesus is coming back soon. That's good theology. Whether the battlefield is in Ukraine or the battlefield is in your own personal life, I want to give you something that God challenged me with. Because watching the news and trying to get stories of what God is doing, I was concerned that my complaining and my singing were getting too close together. I was getting concerned that I could praise God and then begin to complain or grumble and just when I saw the, the, what was happening with 500,000 refugees, and God began to speak to my heart and brought me to a chapter that I want to I take you to today that will be both for Ukraine, will be both for us, and will be both for the church today. In Exodus chapter 15, two words appear for the very first time in the entire Bible, and it's song and complaining. First time ever in the Bible, the word song and the first song ever written and composed and have the lyrics of the song is in Exodus chapter 15. And the first time the word complain is ever used in the Bible, Exodus 15. I don't think there's any coincidence that the Holy Spirit puts singing and complaining in the same chapter. Because I think God was beginning to speak something to my own heart. Exodus 15 introduces us to both a singing people and a complaining people. And both of them are the same in the same chapter. The complainers were the recent singers. And that's what I felt like. I felt like, God, I've been the complaining person and the singing person. I'm singing, everybody clap your hands and, oh, the blood of Jesus and God, but I'm, I'm also complaining to you. And this is where God began to convict me. That in Exodus 15, 1, the Bible says the people sang this song and it was Moses' song. And then in Exodus 15, 24, the very same people that sang this amazing song that I'll read to you in a moment are also the same people that complain. And here the song of Moses is first recorded, the first recorded song in the Bible, a song that celebrated God's intervention on an impossible situation. It was God opening up the Red Sea. It was a song after they crossed through the Red Sea in Exodus 14 that they started to sing a song of God's miraculous work. Because every miracle story that I just read to you about the Ukraine, I'm going to tell you there's going to be another Red Sea on the other side of this miracle. There's going to be more to come. And folks, we have faced that individually. We have faced it as a church. And I'm telling you, the people of Ukraine are facing the same thing. That by the time you finish singing a song, there's going to be another hurdle. And I think that I want, I, this is where God began to speak to me about my own personal life for us as the church, but to encourage the people of Ukraine today. 
because my singing and my complaining were getting too close together. And I kept thinking of this. I kept thinking to myself, I want, I want today to equip believers to celebrate miracles and face battles when they come on the heels of each other. I want you to be able to celebrate and sing, but I also want you to be able to take that singing and face what is coming up. How long does it take you to, at least these people, how long does it take you to go from singing to complaining? That's really what I I felt challenged by God. How long does it take you to go from singing what God has just done? We just clapped what the Lord has done for the soldiers, what God has done for the refugee camps, what God is doing for pastors there in Ukraine. But how long would it take for Israel You have a huge Red Sea miracle. The waters parted for three million people. Three million people. An ocean began to be split in two. Folks, I would have to think that a miracle of that magnitude would have longevity to it. A miracle of parting an ocean would really have have really some, some, some hang time that would go with it. And here when you think of God's people singing in 15.1 and complaining in 15.24, you ready for this, folks? This is what the Bible says. How do they go? It took three days to forget the miracle. You'll see it in the Bible. In three days after the song is over, they are complaining in three days. That a miracle of that magnitude Can a miracle be forgotten that fast? Can the miracles in my own life be forgotten that fast? Do I act like this? Can I sing with the choir on Sunday and three days later I'm complaining of what I don't see God doing in my life and even in answer to prayer? And this became a challenge to me because when you read the story of Exodus chapter 15, It's not a story, it's not just simply a history lesson, it is a challenge for us because the Apostle Paul says this, these things, Old Testament, happened as an example, they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. In fact, the message, the paraphrased version says it like this, these are warning markers, danger, in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. This is for me. I was repeating their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They are at the beginning, we at the end. We are just as capable. I didn't like this line, but it's there. And we are just as capable as messing up as they were. So don't be naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate a God confidence. That's what I want God to do. See, the Apostle Paul was warning us to make sure that we understand this is not a Jewish issue. This is a Christian issue. This is a believer issue that we're all facing. It's not a problem that happened thousands of years ago, but it's a problem that was happening in my heart and happening to me. How many times does God need to do something or how big does it need to be that when I'm facing my next trial or struggle that I'm not complaining, listen carefully now, but I'm able to say, if he did it before, he can do it again. That's what he's trying to get us to. See, understand how important this is. I want you to get this down. Miracles are not to be forgotten in the next battle, but miracles are ammunition for getting me through my next battle. 
that what God has done, yes, he can do again. But it's remembering what he did so I can face what's coming or what I'm faced with immediately. It's not to be forgotten. It's not a story to be told. It's ammunition to get me through the very next thing that I'm, that I'm faced with. Jesus saw this Exodus 15 problem. It happened to his own disciples. It happened on land and water to his own disciples. Saying, I'm giving you something to prepare you for the next. You're going to see a miracle to prepare you for the next thing. It happened when the disciples were in a boat and in a storm. It happened when Jesus fed 5,000 and then he was about to feed 4,000 and to say, I'm trying to teach you that if I did it before, I can do it again for you. See, the feeding of the 5,000 was to be their guide and the feeding of the 4,000 was to be ammunition that they had. If he did it then for 5,000, he can do it for 4,000. That's what he was trying to teach us. That's what he was trying to teach them, and I'll show you in Exodus 15 for a moment. But let me show you how Jesus feeds 5,000 people in Mark 6, 35, 44. I want to read just a few extra scriptures because I want you to see the parallel that God was saying, I'm giving you ammunition to face the next, the next hurdle. This is what it says. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him saying, the place is desolate and is already quite late. Send them away so that we may go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves so they can buy themselves something to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat to the 5,000 people. And they said to him, shall we go spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? You know the story. They, when they found it, they said, five loaves and two fish. He commanded them to sit down on the green grass, and then it says in verse 40, and they reclined in companies of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples and set them before him, divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Look at these last few verses, and they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces also of the fish. Stop right there for just a moment. I have this sneaky suspicion it was 12 baskets so they can hold on to it and remember what he did. I think he was going like, you take one James, you take one John, you take one Philip, you take them home and every time you don't think I can do this, I want you to go back and remember that basket that when your family eats tonight, that's ammunition, that if he did it before, he can do it again. Let me just finish reading it. It says they gave him the 12 baskets and the, Bible, and the Bible says this, and also the fish, and there were 5,000 men who ate of the loaves. 5,000 ate of those loaves. They got a guide so they can have ammunition in just two chapters later. That's Mark 6. And then two chapters later, Jesus feeds 1,000 people less in Mark chapter 8. Two chapters. This is, think about it. The children of Israel go from singing a song of a Red Sea that was open, and then when they stepped into another hurdle, you would think if he opened up that Red Sea, then he can do something on this situation we're about to face. Because you're going to see why they complained in Exodus 15. So in, Ex in, in Mark chapter 6, God says, look, I just fed 5,000. Let's see if we can do it again. Look at Mark 6. And this is, I'm sorry, Mark 8, and this is what it says. This is just two chapters later. In those days again, when there was a great multitude, they had nothing to eat, and he called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion. Folks, this is eerie. This is the same conversation. 
I feel compassion for the multitude, for they remain for me now for three days. That's interesting. Three days later and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their home, they'll faint. And some of them have come from a distance. And his disciples answered him. Look at the screen. This is what they said. If you did it before, you can do it again. If you did it in Mark chapter 6, you can do it in Mark chapter 8. These guys are dense. Look at this. Where will anyone be able to find to satisfy these? And I'm so thankful they didn't put the name of the guy who said this because I would crush him today. Look at this. Where will anyone be able to find enough to satisfy these men with bread here in a desolate place? And he was asking them, how many? I can just see Jesus. If there was a motion to this, how many loaves do you have? Seven. Directed the multitude to sit down on the ground, just like he did in Mark 6. Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, just like he did in Mark 6. Broke them, just like he did in Mark 6. Started giving them to the disciples, as he did in Mark 6, and to serve them. And he served them to the multitude. They also had a few small fish, just like they did in Mark chapter 6. And after he blessed them, like Mark 6, he ordered these to be served as well. They ate and were satisfied, just like Mark chapter 6. They picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces and four thousand people the disciples complain in verse 4 instead of going back to what God has done there is a cleaner that we use in our household called 409 409 how many know what 409 is the older folks know what 409 is 409 you know where it got its name from two Detroit guys said we're going to come up with a cleanser that's going to blow everybody away 409 means how many chances it how many experiments it took to get it right it meant, so when, after the 409th try, they said, let's just call it 409. Let me just tell you something. I don't ever want Jesus calling me 409. <laughs> These guys are already at two, and if they keep going, they're in a lot of trouble. I, I want to stay in single digits. I just want to go, God, if I didn't get it right this time, let me get it right the next time. Because I want to make sure that, God, for what you have ahead for us, I don't want there to be songs and complaints like there is in Exodus 15 because I want to learn, I want us all to learn how to extend our songs and limit our complaints. Let me read to you the first song of Exodus 15 and then show you the hurdle that they were facing and then just challenge us today. Exodus 15 says this, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang a song to the Lord. First song ever in the Bible. And this is how it goes. You've sang it here at this church. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider have been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. Even the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. You know what God was doing? Think how huge this miracle was, Times Square Church. God was giving precedent, Red Sea, so they would have ammunition to face the next water hurdle, which was about to come up in a place called Mara in the very same chapter. It was as if God was saying, take note that I can open up, a, 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 that I can open up an ocean as I did this huge water miracle, my 5,000 people that have just been fed, I can do it with other 
water, water needs that you have. In a sense, he was saying, if I can open up an ocean, I can surely, same chapter, make bitter water sweet. If I can open up an entire ocean, don't you think I can take bitter water and fix it? It was as if God was saying, this is the 5,000, 4,000 feeding that was going on. Jesus was teaching his disciples, if I can feed 5,000 in Mark 6, I can definitely feed 4,000 in Mark 8. Folks, let me just tell you this. I believe in miracles because I need their testimony for my battles that are coming up. Anyone that's sitting in this place, you don't believe in an intervention of God. You know what a miracle is? Is when God suspends all natural laws, interjects himself into a situation and says, I'm, I'm in charge now. I can suspend everything that's going on and change the whole thing. To change the whole landscape of everything that's going on. I can make missiles invisible and Russian soldiers can get lost in a tank. Despite radar. Despite GPS. It's God showing up. Anyone who wants to remove miracles and naturalize even the Bible, take away our weapon for our warfare that we're facing. That's why I believe that God, all of us sitting in this place, we're miracles today. We're miracles of what God has done. I have, a, I have a set of commentaries that I keep to remind myself that God is a miracle-working God. I have a set of commentaries that, that deny miracles and explain the New Testament and the Old Testament miracles with a natural answer. The commentator, the scholar said Jesus didn't walk on water. These are his words. He, he penned this. He walked on an unnatural growth of lily pads. That's what he says. He wrote that and got it published. He said Jesus didn't feed 5,000 people. He wrote this. He said when he had them bow their heads, he had the disciples go into a local cave and bring out all the food while he was telling the people to bow their heads. 5,000 meals. But here's my favorite. He said, God didn't open up the Red Sea. He said, the children of Israel didn't cross the Red Sea. They crossed at the Reed Sea, which is only a, a three-inch creek that what they did was they didn't go through an ocean. They just skipped over this little thing. He said, it's only two inches deep and three inches wide, which, folks, is even a greater miracle, how God drowned the entire Egyptian army in two inches of water. God still works miracles today. Our God is great. Our God is great. Exodus 14 tells you what happened. Exodus 15 tells you how it happened. He puts the explanation in a song because it's so crazy what God has done that God said the first song that you'll ever sing will have how the miracle took place. Nine-year-old Danny came bursting out of Sunday school like a wild stallion. His eyes were looking for his parents and finally he found his dad, grabbed him by the leg and said, man, the story of Moses and all those people crossing the Red Sea is incredible. His father looked and says, well, tell me about it. He said, well, the Israelites got out of Egypt. Pharaoh and his army chased him. So far, so good. 
Then the Jews ran as fast as they could until they got to the Red Sea. And then as the Egyptian army got closer, Moses, this is what Danny said, Moses got out his cell phone and he, and he told the Israeli Air Force to bomb the Egyptians. And while that was happening, the Israeli Navy built a pontoon bridge so that they could cross over. And they made it over. And his dad was shocked and said, is that what they told you in church? He said, no, but if I told you what they actually said, you wouldn't believe a word of it on how God does it. Let me tell you how it really happened. God opened up a Red Sea. God suspended all natural, all natural laws and says, now I'm in charge here. I will take it from here. I need that miracle. Oh, if you want to know how it happened, Moses wrote it in one of the verses. Here's what he said. And at the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were piled up. All God did was breathe. The flowing water stood up like a heat. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I'm going to pursue and I will overtake. I'll divide the spoil and my desire. This is Pharaoh speaking, gratified against them. I'll draw out my sword and my hand shall destroy them. But not with God in the mix. Thou didst stretch out thy right hand. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in mighty waters. Who is like thee amongst the other gods, O Lord? Who is like thee majestic in holiness, awesome in praises? You're working wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. And in thy loving kindness, thou hast led thy people whom thou hast redeemed. And in thy strength, thou hast guided them to the holy habit. Hallelujah. And three days after the breath of God breathed on an ocean, they go from singing to complaining. They're still humming Miriam's song when they realize we're in trouble. And guess what? What they're about to face. They're about to face. This sounds so, this sounds so much like the feeding of the 5,000. Three days later, they're about to face another water issue. Remember, miracles are not to be forgotten in the next battle, but miracles are our ammunition for getting me through my next battle. Listen to what happens. And they went three days in the wilderness, three days after singing the song, and found no what? Found no what? When they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter, and therefore it was named Mara. So the people grumbled at Moses and said, what shall we drink? They need another miracle. I was hoping that someone would say, if God did it at the Red Sea, then Mara is nothing for him. If he can do a sea, he can make bitter water sweet for us. But the people do exactly what they did in the New Testament. They start to complain. They start to think, even what I was doing. You see God do something three days later, you kind of forget what happened. See, the challenge that God wants to bring to my heart, to all of our hearts, is for us to go from strength to strength, not from singing to complaining. Listen to what David says. Psalm 84, he said, passing through the valley of Baha, which is, means the valley of tears, they make it a spring. The early rain will cover it with his blessing. And this is the phrase that got me. They go from strength to strength. Not from singing to complaining. Not from complaining to singing. 
That's why the way you face obstacle is by remembering your miracles. Let me, let me make it as clear as I can. This is what I want you to get down, folks. This is what I felt God spoke to me in prayer. There are songs and, and complaints because we could disconnect the two events. They don't stand alone. When God gives a song and a miracle, he's preparing you for the very next thing. And we disconnect the last miracle from my present battle. That's what I've done. That the battle I faced is where I, where I needed a miracle. The battle that I'm facing presently, it literally, I have to go back. Or let me just say it this way. The last miracle is for my next battle. The last miracle that God performed. If he did it again, he could do it for us. That's why those that are watching from the Ukraine, I want you to listen to me. Tell your miracle stories to people. Tell what God has done. Tell how God has answered prayer because it gets you ready for the very next day. Because if you don't connect the miracle of what happened yesterday with the battles that you're facing today, then what you're beginning to do is you're beginning to go from, instead of strength to strength, you go from singing to complaining. And that's why I don't want you to make each, and I don't want to make each event stand alone. I end up complaining instead of singing a song. And that's why God is beginning to challenge us. That's why it says in Exodus 15 that the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out for the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw it in the water and made the water good to drink. Isn't that amazing? Look at that verse again. Moses, the people talked to Moses, but Moses talked to God. Man, what a difference. When you talk to God, he opens up your eyes. Look at that. So Moses cried to the Lord, and what does God do? Opens up his eyes and shows him where the answer is. Shows him where all this can begin to take place. And I've just felt so many times that God's going, have you prayed before you complained? Have you prayed before you complained? Because if you don't get Mara right, follow with me now, which is the bitter, bitter waters to sweet. He said, if you don't get Mara right, then the wilderness that you're about to face without food is not far away. Let me explain it like this. If you don't get the Red Sea right, then Mara is going to be a really tough hurdle. And if you don't get Mara right, the next battle where you don't have any food in the desert is not far off. That's Exodus chapter 16. Let, follow me on this. Because miracle interventions equip you for your next battle. The Red Sea parting was to help you to get through bitter waters in Mara. Listen, the bitter water sweetened was to help you get through Exodus 16, the next chapter, when there's nothing to eat and God sends manna down. What he was hoping, because when you read Exodus 16, five times it says and the people grumbled and complained. Five times. Nobody is saying if he opened up a Red Sea and if he makes bitter water sweet, then he can feed us in a wilderness. Do you understand what they're doing? Everything is standing alone. No one is remembering what God just did. The bitter water sweetened was to help you get through nothing to eat in Exodus 16. Red Sea parted, bitter water sweetened, manna from heaven. Then will help you face Exodus 17 where there's going to be another water crisis. And on top of that, you're going to face your first battle in the desert with the Amalekites. And what God was trying to teach him was this. 
if he can open up a Red Sea, if he can make bitter water sweet, if he can send manna from heaven, if he can take water from a rock, help you go ahead as slaves, defeat and become an army, defeat the Amalekites, then God can do whatever he wants to do. But you go backwards and go, if he did it then, he can do it for us right now, no matter what we're faced with. That's what he's trying to do. Folks, let me just finish up here. Jesus did this in the storm. On the second storm, as, as, as the disciples were going, what, what do we do? How are the winds and the waves going to start? The Bible says he got into the boat and the wind stopped. And they were astonished. This is their second storm. Because they hadn't gained any insight from the incident of the what? Because their heart was hardened. Do you see what he was saying? You needed the love story in order to face the next storm that was coming. He was saying, if you remembered I fed 5,000, then, because it's Mark 6, if you remembered I, faced, I, 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 I fed 5,000, then you got to know if I can make food come out of five loaves and two fish, I can stop a storm if I want to stop it. Folks, remembering the loaves of bread helps you and me in our next storms. Remembering the provisions of God. Remembering that what he has done for us. You go back to the feeding of the 5,000 to, to help you against the winds and the waves. You know what God was, Jesus was doing? He said, listen, I fed 5,000 because a storm is coming in the boat. And if you know I could feed 5,000, then you know I can stop the winds and the wave. And you better get this right because you know what's coming up next? You're about to meet a man with a legion of demons. And you better get this one right because this is not going to go well. That what you have to realize is this. If he can feed 5,000, if he can speak to winds and waves, then he can command thousands of devils that are inside of a man and take care of this situation. you got to keep remembering because here's what's amazing. Get this, church. Everyone has a loaf story on how God provided. All of us do. We all think about this today. When we didn't know what to do, God always seems to provide for us. Oh my goodness. He's saying that's just not for then, that's for now. This is for those that are watching. That I, I'm believing even today, if you're in the Ukraine and you're watching on a phone in a subway, listen to me. Find that loaf of bread story and say God can keep us. God can use us. God can protect us. If he did it before, he can do it again. He can begin to go with us and protect us at this point. Maybe even for some of you that are watching in different countries around the world, maybe God's asking you to start a connect group praying for the churches in Russia and Ukraine, praying for the churches in Poland. God was not telling them you won't have problems, but he was giving them miracle stories to face their next problems. Folks, let me close with this. How do you extend? I want to know how to extend my singing and limit my complaining. I'm tired of complaining. I don't even like hanging out with complaining people. <sighs> me too. <sighs> how do we limit complaining, extend singing? It's by remembering what God has done for us. It's by remembering his miracles for us. And here's what I believe. I truly believe that God hears your songs. I also believe he hears your complaints. I really believe that. If you read Exodus 16, 
Just read it. Five times it says, and the Lord heard your grumblings. The Lord heard your grumblings. The Lord. Five times it says it in Exodus 60. You know what I want God to do? I want God to hear my singing, not my complaints. I want God to hear my singing. Here's how I want to finish. I have had the privilege of speaking in so many, in different places, and that God has opened up doors, and what has probably been probably the most exciting thing for me is not so much the places, but to, to, just the opportunities to see some amazing preachers of the gospel. Right before, right before service started, we were, we were off to the side there. We were singing some old songs from West Angeles Church of God in Christ, Bishop Blake. And I had an opportunity in Springfield, Missouri to do a conference with Bishop Blake. I, I was just doing a, I, he was a main speaker. I was just doing a workshop. But Bishop Blake tells the story about Acts 16. Remember this, remember this, remember the singing that went on? No complaining. Remember the singing? About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and what? Hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. The foundations were shaken, doors were open, and chains unfastened. That's some kind of earthquake. Think about that. How, how does that happen? How does that take place? I, I believe that the way this took place is that God gave them two previous miracles in Macedonia so they can sing in prison in Macedonia. I'm going to set a demonic girl free and I'm going to save an entire family called, her name is Lydia, her entire family. I'm going to save these people, deliver this person. So when you go to prison, you'll be able to sing and know if he can save, if he can deliver, then he can begin to deliver us from this place right here. If he can deliver a demon girl, he surely can deliver us from these prison bars. That's, that's why I think Bishop Blake has a different take on the story. I'm, I'm going to go with mine, but his is not bad. Bishop Blake said this. He said, when Paul and Silas were singing in prison, Bishop Blake said, as they sang, he said the music started to rise up through the atmosphere into the stratosphere, into the ionosphere. And I didn't even know about all these spheres. I didn't even listen in science class. Bishop Blake is teaching me this. And he says, until it came up to the throne of heaven. And he goes, while the angels, while seraphims and cherubims were singing holy, 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 he said, God the Father said, stop. I hear a song, not a complaint. I hear a song. And he said, the, the, the seraphims and the angels were going, yes, it's us, holy. He says, no, 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 no. This is a song from Europe. This is a song from Philippi. This is a song from jail that they're singing a song up here. They don't have any instruments. They don't have a choir, but they got a song in their heart in their most difficult situation. 
And Bishop Blake said, God got happy in heaven, told the angels to be quiet, listened to a song from prison, and then Bishop Blake said this. I don't know if it's right, but he's pretty good. He said this. He says, God got happy. And he started tapping his feet. But God forgot that the earth is his footstool. And as he started tapping his feet, the globe started shaking. An earthquake came that began to shake the foundations, open up the prison cells, and God began his miraculous deliverance. I'm okay with that. You can sing in prison. You can sing in a battle. You can sing in Ukraine in a subway. Our God is able. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Those online and those at this place, I want you to listen very carefully. What you thought has been coincidence in your life has actually been God's intervention. That's ah, just coincidence. I'm telling you, you're alive today because of God's intervention. You're watching today. You're alive in Russia. You're alive in Ukraine. Not coincidence. God's intervention. And you can take that miracle story and bring it into tomorrow. And here's what you're able to say. If he did it before, he can do it again. But if you don't have a relationship with God, listen, if you don't have a relationship with God, balcony, main floor, online, if you don't have a relationship with God, then it's coincidence. But when you have a relationship with God, you go, and he took care of me. He opens up a Red Sea, and he makes bitter water sweet. When there's no food in the cupboard, he'll send manna from heaven. And after he sends manna from heaven, when I'm facing a battle against an army that I don't even know how to fight, we haven't even been an army before. 400 years we've been in slavery. Now God's asking us to fight. And God, by the craziest thing, just says, Aaron and her, hold up the arms of Moses. And as you hold up their arms, I'm going to begin to send help from heaven. How does that happen? It's called the intervention of God. Every chapter was to build on something. But when you don't build on the miracles, then you complain. Then it's singing and complaining, singing and complaining, singing and complaining, singing and complaining. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want to go from strength to strength. Strength to strength. If he did it before, he can do it again. And today, I believe this. He wants to change you. He wants to change you. It's not coincidence. God loves you today. He wants to change you. He wants to walk with you. He does. He wants, well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Jesus says there's a brand new relationship, how that happens. You want God to walk with you? You don't want to wait till the doors of a church open. You want God with you. We can't walk with you, but God can walk with you. But he's got to change you from the inside out. He's got to come in. Religion says show up here for an hour and a half on a Sunday Relationship says, I want to walk with you every single day. 
every day. I'll walk with you through red seas and I'll walk with you with empty cupboards. I'll walk with you in dry. How in the world can God, can people sing in prison? Because God is with them. God is with them. And God wants to be with you. But you can't, but that doesn't happen unless you invite him in. It's a new relationship that maybe you never heard of before. It's called being born again. It's born again. Being born again not only prepares you for life, it prepares you for eternity. Pastor Tim, how does that happen? How does that begin to take place in my life? Because this is really important. We got to get this one right. We got to get it right. Listen, you got to get it right. Because Jesus said, no man, Jesus' words, can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. You can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Well, Pastor Tim, what does that mean? How does that happen? I, I can explain it to you like we would tell even our children about learning their ABCs, that each of those letters correspond to something that literally can change your now and your forever. It's knowing, first of all, how do I become born again? It's Jesus saying, just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. What is the second birth? How does that happen? As you were born physically in a hospital, for many of you, Jesus says, you need to be born spiritually and that's what happens inside of your heart. And it happens right now in this place. But it's first by A, admitting that we are all sinners. I'm a sinner. That the condition on every person in this room, the condition that has been pronounced by God, it's called sin. There's none of us in this place that convicts our own sinful condition. There's not a promise, a program, a priest or a pastor that can fix it. Only God can fix it. I'm broken on the inside. You're broken on the inside. And the diagnosis is sin. And it comes with A, admitting that I'm a sinner. Listen, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a Savior. We don't need second chances. We need a second birth today. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God loves you so much that he sent his son to fix our sinful condition since I can't fix it myself. If we could fix it ourselves, how do you get to heaven? Oh, I was baptized. I go to church. I'm a good person. Then listen, it's not even logical. Then why would God himself have to send his own son to die on the cross for my sin if you can get yourself to heaven? Here's a news break. News, news break. We can't get to heaven by being good. We need a savior. Jesus came to become that savior for us. He became our sin bearer, paid the price for our sin. He, listen about, listen to this, how important this is. He died the death that I was supposed to die. Lived the life that I couldn't live on my own. And gave me a reward, forgiveness, and eternity, heaven, that I didn't deserve. And it's finally confessing him as Lord. That C word, A, admit, B, believe, C, confess, is not just saying it with the mouth, but it's literally saying, God, I'm confessing you to be in charge now. You have veto rights. You're not just in charge on Sundays, but you're in charge every day. When Jesus came down, went through the suffering for you and for me, his goal wasn't to get you to sit here for 90 minutes on a Sunday. His goal was to get you to live with him forever in eternity, and that can happen right now. It, all over the sanctuary, would you close your eyes and bow your head for one moment? The most important question I can ever ask you, the most important question is, have you been born again? And today, 
you're going to have the opportunity to say yes. You're going to have that opportunity to say, I want, I want that. I want to start a journey with God. Pastor Tim, I'm not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And that can happen right now. Pastor Tim, what do I need to do? I'm going to pray a born-again prayer. Just because of some COVID protocols right now, and I know some things are going to be lifting on Monday, but right now, we're not going to... I'm not going to bring you forward. But I am going to ask you this. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, in just about 90 seconds, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you want to be included in a prayer. And I want to, I want to be the one because that's going to be your moment to say, sign me up. I want to start this journey with God. In about 90 seconds, I'm going to pray a prayer to be born again. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you're going, I want to be part of that prayer, Pastor Tim. Put me in that prayer. God brought me here today. I'm watching because someone sent me the link. I'm watching from a subway or an airport, whatever it is. I'm watching from a refugee camp. Today, God can do it. If you're here today right now and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, put me in it. I want to start a journey with God. If that's you, without any hesitation, if that's you, Hold up your hand right now. Say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up high. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Keep them up. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Got you over there. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Keep them up. I want to see in the balcony. 23, 24, 25. I want to make sure I see every hand. 26, 27, 28. You can put your hands down. Can we thank God for what he's doing? Listen, if you're watching online, I want you to text the word, I've decided. I have decided. Just text decided right now online. Type it in on the chat. Type it in right now. Come on. Can we all pray this together? Come on, all of us out loud. Let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on. We're going to close here in about three or four minutes. I'm so thankful for all those that are responding online. The 28 that are here so far, we're getting the numbers that are coming in for those that are responding online, and we're so thankful. The 28, li listen, last week we had some 30, 40 people respond online. Right now, so far, it started at five more, so 33 so far have responded to say, I want to be born again and start a brand new life with Jesus. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to do two, a couple things. One, okay, three quick things. One, if you, if you made that decision, just text the word DECIDED to 51,000. We're going to help you on some brand new steps. And we're working to even increase these steps. This year is going to be amazing um, as we get ready just to do this. Number two, 
For, um, if you need any extra prayer, you're here today and you need prayer, our teams are going to be up here as soon as Freddie finishes singing. And if you're online, we'll begin to pray for you online. Just type in your request. Our prayer team's online. We'll begin to pray for you even online. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.